everyday injustice. Too many wrongful convictions, corruption has infected the criminal justice system. Leaving too many people helpless, fighting for their lives instead of receiving justice, people suffer. Is that why they say justice is blind? Hello and welcome to the Everyday Injustice Podcast. I'm your host, David Greenwald. For the past 10 years, we have operated Vanguard Court Watches in California, including San Francisco, Sacramento, and Yolo counties. Our goal? Expose everyday court injustices, and now, more broadly, shine a spotlight on injustices in the entire criminal justice system in the form of wrongful convictions, police and prosecutorial misconduct, and mass incarceration. This podcast hopes to take it a step further and highlight criminal justice reform on a national level. Everyday injustice. Today on Everyday Injustice, we have special guest Eric Jenis, who's uh, on the road in Chicago. How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing great, David. How are you? Good. Um, so I heard about you guys because you're playing in prisons across the country, and I'm yes. really interested to know how that came about and what sparked your interest in doing that. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah, we do play. I play in prisons all over the world, um, but mostly in the United States. So basically, I, I perform with a world-class violinist and cellist. I'm a composer. And I perform all over the world. And I perform in many different venues. But in the prisons, what happened was about 25 years ago to 30 years ago, um, the, uh, there was uh, a gentleman who invited me to come in. And he said, you know, um, he said, I'm a, I'm a, I work in the prisons, but you would all be interested in coming and performing. Well, I promised myself I would never say no. And so I thought, well, that's a different request, but it's certainly doable and there's no reason not to go. So I went in and it was unbelievable. Like, you know, I didn't know what to expect. So I left all expectations aside. So anyway, so what happened was we, uh, we went in and played David. There was a guy in the second row within the first, you know, I was maybe in the second piece. He stood up and he threw up his arms and he yelled out, I forgot what hope felt like. And I thought, boy, that's powerful language. He used the word hope at a concert. See, so we, in our modern day, we sort of look at music. Oh, it's just kind of background and, you know, it's just kind of nice and music's fun. That's not what music is. Music is very powerful. And, you know, if, if connected well, it really goes in to the heart of the person and connects in a very deep way. So this man threw up his arms and he yelled out, I forgot what hope felt like. And, and in the middle of the, the set, this whole, like about 30 guys just sort of ran to the, to the stage area where we were. And in a very non-threatening way, there was nothing strange about it. And, was, and we're really sort of taken in by, I, I, I wrote a big, three-minute violin piece where just violin, everything stops and the violinist goes. And, uh, and they were so moved. And I thought, wow. And instantly, David, I felt ashamed because I thought all these years I've been performing and, um, and I've never given these guys a second thought. So I could have played in the beautiful concert halls and, and never even thought about these people who are incarcerated or in inner city schools or drug rehab centers all the places where people are forgotten. And I could, and I thought, oh, well, you know, and I could have 
you know, forgot all about them and been just fine, except I wouldn't have been just fine. And, you know, and I just thought, I, I know that I have an ability to go in and to move them. I'm very grateful and humbled by that ability, but I'm going to use that ability and that gift to go in and to play for these people who are very broken. And David, that, that's what started it. And so I made it my life's work to go in and to play for the toughest customers that this world has to offer. So even next week, I'm going up in California. I'm going to Seattle to perform throughout um, you know, Washington. But I am dipping down to um, Northern California, very Northern California, in Crescent City. There's a, pris a prison there called um, Pelican Bay. And Pelican Bay is a supermax. And it's not pretty. And there are tough customers. And that's exactly where I, you know, I, I'm meant to go and play. So I'm really looking forward to that. But my 1,000th show in a prison was on death row in Texas. So I have a lot of very fond memories and I have a lot of, you know, uh, uh, you know, I've just thrown my life at that, you know, and uh, so glad I did. How is it different playing at a prison than other venues? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, a prison is a very raw concert. And what I mean by that is, you know, people are there. They are stripped of their dignity. They are stripped of anything that has ever meant something to them. So, for example, a great example of that is death row. So there I am performing on death row. They're not even allowed out of their cells. So speaking of dignity and, you know, sort of feeling somewhat like animals in a cage, that's what they're, that's exactly what they sort of looked at. And they look at themselves, you know, in, in this capacity and you go and you play for them. And there's a very strong reaction from them. When you play in other places, it's a very strong reaction, but it's a little more guarded. And so I just find that inmates and inner city schools, they react and, and, and um, rehab centers, you know, they react very strongly and they let their emotions show. So, for example, I played in this youth prison. Great story. This kid comes up 15 years old and he goes up to the warden who was standing beside me before the show. And he says, warden, what did I do so bad that you hate me so much that you're going to make me sit through a, uh, a violin concert? And I chuckled and I said, I don't want to sit through a violin concert either, friend. I said, but wait till you hear my violinist. And we played David. And after the show, that same kid comes up and gives me this big hug and wouldn't let go. He said, I've never been more moved in my life. And so, you know, these people who have, are in those situations, David, we have our judgments on them. But the reality is, is... Um, you know, the, their background is often unrecognizably human. Like they've experienced things that most of us wouldn't even dream of having to go through horrible things as children and so on. And so, um, and so very often, very many, many of them have never experienced something beautiful where it's elevated their emotions or elevated their humanity. And that's what I want to do. I'm not interested in going in and entertaining them, David. The goal of my work is to go in and to move them and to play in such a way that it elevates their humanity and it makes them look at themselves in a way that's dignified and uplifted and joyful and so on. Yep. Do you continue to like correspond with some of these guys afterwards? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I make myself very um, exposed, very available to them. So um, a lot of them have my, my cell number. A lot of them have my email address. A lot of them have my uh, mailing address. 
And so they'll write and I write back to every one of them. Now I get thousands of letters a year. So what I do to write back is I, um, I speak it into my phone and I send it to volunteers and they print it off and they send it. So very gracious. They, they prepare all that, but yeah, absolutely. I write to everybody that writes to me. So, and, and they're, again, their response is very, very strong. Like I've, I've played for some very, very famous inmates and um you know one guy just recently wrote to me a famous gentleman and said you know i feel like i've been buried alive you know when uh when i was sentenced my family abandoned me and therefore my whole reason of living was gone and i have no dignity and i have no meaning and my thought is that's a lie who told you you have no meaning who told you you have no dignity you know and so um yep i do write to them and uh, i will correspond with any anybody yeah so I'm, I'm kind of curious, um, you know, even before you started playing for prisons, how, how you got into music, um, you know, was this something that you started as a kid? What was your goal? Oh, yeah. I never really set a goal. Um, I always, there was ever, I was a, a little kid and I was given piano lessons and, you know, my parents loved me enough to sort of say, hey, you know, um, you're going to do this piano stuff. And so I played a little bit every day. And then one summer I didn't have much to do. So I started practicing a great deal. David, I found a love even as a child for composing. So I spent a good part of my childhood composing at that piano and it was glorious. And I never thought I would make a living at it. Who's going to pay me to compose music and, and tour around? And, and so I just always did it for fun. Well, then one day, one thing just sort of led to another and Hey, would you come and play here? Hey, would you come and play there? And, and then boom, you know, before I knew it, um, Poland was inviting me to go and play for 15,000. So off I went. And, and so I started having a career and, and that was great, but um, I wouldn't change a thing. You know, I sort of put a lot of that aside to, to play for a lot of these broken people, you know? So um, yeah, music's always meant a great deal. I never thought I would ever do this for a living. It's tough, right? Because when you take something you love and then it, you have to make it make you a living, it changes how you look at it, right? So there's a whole psychology behind that and it's music. And you know what, David? Here's the, the magic of my brilliant, genius way of doing business. And I'm, of course, being very facetious. I never charge. So I tell, every, I tell everybody, you can have Eric Genesis for a show. I will come in with a world-class violinist, cellist, and a singer. And um, I do not have a fee. You give me what you can. And that's it. And enough people really see what I'm doing and they believe in my work and they, and they you know, they, they write to my charity. And I'm very, very grateful. There's no money at the end of the month, but I'm happy to, you know, I don't have two nickels to rub together. But I feel like I'm the richest man in the world because I get to share something that I really believe in. I really believe in my work, David. Like, it's not uncommon for me to play at a prison one night and then the next morning in a different city at an inner city school. And then that night in a rehab center. A lot of these rehab centers, the men are court ordered to be there. They'll, they'll have spent decades in prison. They'll break parole and the judge will give them a choice. Ten more years in prison or six months in rehab. And so, you know, you go in and you want to, again, elevate them, give them, give them a motivation other than don't go back to prison for not behaving in ways that would lead them back to prison. Make them believe in themselves again, make them believe in humanity again, you know, and just uplift and give them a vision of life that's one filled with hope and the awe of one and wonder 
of the glory of life. It's awesome, right? So, um, yeah, so, I, but I really do think, David, that when you ask about music, that we've downplayed the impact of music. We look at music, oh yeah, it's nice. It's, you know, it's just sort of background. Music is powerful. Like Confucius said, if you want to know the morality of a nation, let me hear the music. He didn't say, if you want to know the morality, talk to the, the teachers or the professors or the philosophers or read these textbooks. He said, let me hear the music. So if we've known this for thousands of years of the impact of, the, of, of music on the individual and on the person, what are we doing? So let's give our let's give our young people let's give our world beauty that that elevates them. You know, I played in this youth prison where kids were tried as adults, David. They were convicted and tried and convicted as adults. So these were 15-year-old kids going away for 30 years. At the end of a show, one kid stood up and he said that violin's the most beautiful thing in the world. Why have I never heard it before? What a great question. But what a sad question. So he knows everything about every style of music and all the culture that goes with it, whether it's, you know, rap, hip hop, heavy metal, screamo metal, punk rock, acid rock, alternative rock, grunge rock, punk rock. He knows all of that, knows nothing about a style of music that clearly uplifted him. I'm not putting those styles of music down. If they're written well, there's validity to them all. But he knows nothing about something that clearly moved him. And my thought is why? In this day and age where people have such hyper exposure to music. Why is this the first time this boy's exposed to something that elevates him? I'll throw my life at playing for kids like that all day long. So tell me a little bit about the music itself. Yes. So I tour with a world-class violinist, cellist, and a vocalist. So there's four of us and I'm the pianist in the show. So what I do in between pieces is I talk about what what encouraged me to write this piece like what moved me to compose you know these the the specific piece but the piece itself it's very classical in form but has all the energy i live now i didn't live when mozart lived or lived when bach lived in the broke era i didn't live when mozart lived you know in the classical era i live now and now there's a certain intensity that our society it's just in the air so I write with that intensity. It's just part of who I am and how I write. And so I write in a form that's, you know, sort of has a, sort of a lot of classical nuances to it, but it's very modern in its effect. So, um, so it's a, a concert that's very full of energy, that's um, full of great playing. Like these musicians I bring are second to none. And, and you know, the, I play to an audience that doesn't know a violin from a hockey stick. But after the first three notes, they're fully engaged. It's fast, it's furious. And then other pieces are slow and, and sort of meditative and more reflective. And, and they, they go right to the heart of the person. But the music is, you know, it's, it's, um, it's meant to, to reach in and dig deep and hit every emotion. You know, if music is written really beautifully, David, what I have found is that it goes through, especially in these prisons, and cuts through, it goes right to the heart. It cuts through all the pain, all the betrayal, all the walls, all the, you know, uh, you know, all the means and mechanisms we have to protect our heart from ever being hurt again. And, you know, no words have access to that heart. No lecture has access to that heart. There's something about music and the beauty of the way it can be presented that seems to go right to the heart of the person. So I'm playing in a prison and this one man stood up and said, I've killed over a hundred people in my life. He said, I'll never hurt another person as long as I live. 
I've had a higher encounter with my own humanity today. Okay, that's the effect of music right there. That's why I go in. Um, and I'm wondering how often are you performing these concerts? Is this daily, three times daily? It sounded like maybe. Yeah. So um, a lot, a large part of the um, stumbling block, if you will, is the setup. So I have a whole truck full of equipment. And if you play with great musicians, you need to take great equipment with you, right? So, um, so once I set up, my concerts are, you know, depending on where I am, anywhere between an hour and two hours long. So I played at a school the other day, an inner city school. We had five shows. Every hour on the hour, we had a show. And so we did five shows and then one in the evening. I had six shows in one day. So I was performing, you know, for eight hours that day. So tough day, great day, glorious day, but tough. So I try to get in as much as I can. If I'm going into a prison and they have 5,000 people in that prison, but they only allow 300 at a show, my thought is let's do multiple shows. Let's get guys in. Let's get them out. Let's get other guys. Like let's hit as many as we possibly can for the purpose of, uh, of reaching as many people while we're there. So yeah. The key is to do multiple shows a day in order to access more people. Yeah. Do you have any estimate of how many incarcerated people you've actually played in front of? Well, I will say this. If I played over just, let's say the shows are a thousand. I know it's a little over a thousand and maybe 1100, but let's just say around a thousand shows. And let's say on average, you know, Sometimes there's more, sometimes there's less, but let's say on average there's about 200 to 250 people. So let's say that's about 200,000 guys, you know? And then, but that's for the incarcerated. You go and play in these rehab centers, there's more inner city schools, thousands of kids a year, thousands. You can get five, 600 kids. Like that one, that one day I did five, five shows in a row. There were about three to 400 kids a show, right? They had a lot of kids in that school. And that's a good number. Like when you're giving a concert, especially to kids, because I'm walking up and down the aisles and I'm looking at them. I want to connect with every one of them. To have any more than four or 500 is not too many, but it loses a certain connection, right? So the goal for me is to connect with every one of those kids. So yeah, thousands, David, thousands. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and, and you mentioned you don't charge for these things. So no. how is... Uh, how, how do you live? <laughs> yeah. So what I'll do is I play a lot of my own benefit concerts. So for example, um, you know, I'm going into Seattle tonight or tomorrow morning tonight, I'm performing a big show in Chicago and I'm getting on a plane tomorrow morning, flying to Seattle for a week and a half. And I'm doing maybe half of those days I'm in prisons. The other half, I'm trying to do fundraisers for my work. And there are a lot of people who have been affected by crime, David. So people who have been victims of crime or their family has been victims of crimes. Very often they come to the conclusion, I'm either going to hate these people or I'm going to try to help them. And they help. And they can't do the work that I do. So they think, okay, by helping Eric, um, I'm doing something for those who are incarcerated, for those who have experienced horrible things in their life and so on. And so that's how. So it's basically you know, doing my own fundraising concerts, people hearing of my work, people believing in the work. Um, yeah, 
so that's pretty well, you know, how it's done. Wow. Um, and, you know, I mean, how has this impacted you in your life? Well, it's made me realize, first of all, how, you know, fortunate I am. You know, like, I'll give you an example. I go play on death row, okay? Take this show on death row in Texas. You know who's on death row? Men, just like you and I. No different. No different at all. So when they're in the audience, even when I go and play for many famous, you know, inmates, who's in the audience? What do they look like? Like you and I. So these are people that you've learned. And then when you dive into their background, you just think, tough background. Okay. So what I've learned is, you know, don't judge them. I'm not willing to stand up on a, on, you know, on a chair and announce what I've done wrong to them. So I have no right to judge them. I, I can read what they've done on Google. I know what they've done, but these are people who have tough backgrounds. These are people who really, many of them have never had a chance. One guy on death row said, yeah, I'm scheduled to die on October 5th. This was, you know, back in September. And I was going back October 12th and, you know, I was saying, Johnny, you've got to get a stay. He says, no, I'm so tired. I'm just going to go. And, um, and he did, he died October 5th. And, you know, it was really something because I said, Johnny, do you want me to send my, my music anywhere? I'll do anything you want. I said to your family, he says, I have no family. He says, I have a couple of friends, but um, anyway, so these are people who have lived tough lives. There are so many people, like for example, I go and play for kids who are, um, um, you know, trafficked kids that are at risk. And we're talking some kids who have experienced some bad stuff and continue to do so and whose lives are at risk. So they have to sneak them into my show. Their concept of growing up in a home with people who love them or parents who care for them or nurture them or, you know, um, you know, sort um, mentor them is just a thought. It's, it's a concept. It's nothing they've experienced. And so, David, I look at this and I think, how has it changed me? It's made me realize how fortunate I am. It's made me realize that, you know, there are people who are really bleeding right in my midst. It's made me realize that if I really want to do and change the world for a better place, Get out there and use your talents to enhance and uplift their life, to bring goodness to them and to bring hope to them. So it's impacted me to realize there's a lot of hurting people that I can do something about. So when I go into schools or when I go into different facilities or different organizations and play, I say, you want to make the world a better place? I was on the radio on my way to Folsom Prison to perform. And the guy said, how are you going to make the world a better place, Eric? I said, by going into Folsom and playing the best concert I've ever played in my life. So my thought is, you know what? Go to a nursing home and have a cup of coffee with an older person, you know? And, you know, I've had kids say, well, what do I say to them? I said, all you have to say is tell me about your family. That's it. You're caught for the next hour in a glorious way, right? But you're doing something for somebody that may be neglected, that may be forgotten, that may have no family, that may be sort of you know we justify kind of leaving these people and my thought is there's a lot of broken and forgotten people and we can do something about it so you know what how has it changed me it's got me out of my little box in life and recognized you know what do i want my children to do i want my children to recognize that there are people who are less fortunate than them 
that there are people that they can do something to help and to elevate and to bring them that they themselves are a gift. So when you go, David, or when I go and do something for somebody, it's a nice thing to do. But when you bring you to the table, and very often that's all you have to do. You have to be a pianist or a violinist or a cellist. Just show up, go and visit someone in a nursing home, go and tutor a kid in the inner city school who have no parents. There's a million of them. You know, there's lots you can do. Be a big brother, be a big sister. Get involved in these programs that really affect the lives by bringing you to the game. And, you know, I, I go in and here's the little secret. I'm really glad I can be a gift to these inmates. But, David, it's more of a gift to me. So it's very much impacted me. You mentioned that you have kids. How old are yes. your kids? So my eldest son would be 28 today, but my son passed away um, oh. just two years ago. And, um, and then I have a, a, 20, a 26-year-old son, in, um, and he lives in Denver. And I have a beautiful 21-year-old girl. And then I have a 19-year-old beautiful girl has Down syndrome. And so, you know, so she's going to be with us for life. So the joke in my home is when the three of us sort of when, uh, when we're empty nesters, the three of us are going to have a ball, you know? And so, um, so we have, yeah, we have a great little family, you know? Um, and do you have any upcoming projects that you want to share? You know, I just, I released an album not too long ago called Redemption. That's a, that was a big undertaking. Um, you know, I, I have a ton of tours coming up. My, my life is very simple. I write music, I record music and I tour the music. And so I have another CD I'm hoping to do within the next two years. So it's just putting out more music and really encouraging people to, to sort of participate. I have full orchestral stuff. I have vocal stuff, I have piano, violin stuff. And Redemption, my latest album is piano, violin, and cello. So I'm thrilled. And every concert, David, I know is a gift to me. I know it's gonna come to an end one day, David, I'm 56. And, but every show, I'm in, it's two hours of euphoria. So my projects, and I always, I always feel personally, and I'll only speak about my music, I believe that music was always meant to be live. This idea of recording it on CDs is nice, but it's sterile. You want Eric Genis, you want, you want to experience an Eric Genis music. Invite me to come to your area. The answer will always be yes. I will come, we will make, move mountains to make it work, but it's always meant to be live and there's no substitute, no YouTube, no, you know, no PBS, nothing live. Um, and I think people are probably wondering, has there ever been like a bad experience performing at a prison? Um, no, I've played for, I mean, you have to know your audience, obviously, right? So when I'm playing for the criminally, those who are, you know, they have done criminal activity, but let's say are unfit mentally or emotionally or, you know, um, you know, psychologically to stand trial. So we would call them the criminally insane, if you will. Um, you know, you just have to know your audience. So if they're going to walk around or if they're going to sort of, you know, uh, be medicated, then there's, there's reactions to that. And that's okay. Um, never had a bad experience. And, um, you know, I've, yeah, I've never really, um, you know, they're so grateful that we're there 
We're so grateful. They are so grateful that we go in and play for them. I'll tell you one experience that really kind of um, shook me in a positive way. We played at the Massachusetts Treatment Center for those who really did, you know, have committed sexual crimes in a very serious way. And this one man grabbed me by the arms after the show, because after the show, I just go at the back and I hug them. I shake their hand. I talk to them. And he said, I've been in here for 56 years and you're sorry, 55 years. You're my first visitor. Please come back. Okay. So that's what I meet with. They're grateful. We're there. They're very grateful. We're there. I've never had a bad experience. Um, and then finally, you know, if people are interested in seeing yep. you, how, how would they go about doing that? I'm very accessible on the internet. So if you go to my website, ericgenis.com and Genesis genius with the U and the I switch. So it's E-R-I-C-G-E-N-U-I-S.com. And my email is just ericgenis at gmail.com. People can connect with me and you know, I'll be, I'm, I'm touring all over the country. So we can always add, if you think, oh, would you come and play for this fundraiser? Would you come and play? I do, you know, I play for a lot of celebrity events and that's, I raise a fair amount of money doing that so I can continue my prison work. I play for, you know, athletes and actors and, you know, A-list actors a lot, but I play for a lot of businessmen and I play for, you know, so my concerts are a lot, uh, a lot of my fundraisers are in country clubs or even sometimes in homes. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, concert halls everywhere really everywhere under bridges for the homeless you know and for for veterans and a lot of a lot of hospitals for veterans you know so vas and so on so people can get a hold of me if they if they want to know more about my work they can call me or they can uh, email me anytime great well i want to thank you for coming on and sharing your amazing story i mean i'm just blown away by it thank you thank you brother i'm so happy to do it and it's an honor to be on your show this has been Everyday Injustice. We've been talking with Eric Jenis, who performs uh, at, at prisons and and schools and all sorts of trial, troubled children and, and people who are doing rehab and everybody who needs to be uplifted by music. This has been Everyday Injustice. I'm your host, David Greenwald. Join us again next time for more Tales from the Injustice System. Thank you to George Powell and Norman Mousequake Barrett for the use of our opening Everyday Injustice. You can see more of George's music at www.justiceforgeorgepowell.com. That's justiceforgeorgepowell, all one word, dot com. <laughs>